Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, please. <clears throat> Our text verses are going to be verses 5 through 7 this afternoon. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and verse 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. As, Paul, as Peter is closing up this epistle, this letter, he's written to churches, not one church in particular, but to saints of God. And he closes with or concludes with a series of exhortations. In verses 1 through 4, he talks and directs that to elders uh, in the church. And, and then he, in verses 5 down through 9, he, his exhortation is, is geared towards all Christians, and to all saints. And the idea and the gist of his remarks here are dealing with the necessity and the need for humility in the Lord's church. And it really becomes foundational for everything in the Lord's church. It's something that uh, is needful for peace among the Lord's people. It's something that's needful for, for our submission to God and our ability to serve God. We've kind of been on this thought and on this subject for the last couple or few weeks, and I want us to see what the Bible says in this passage as Peter gives exhortations toward humility, and I'll not keep you long this afternoon, but I want to break this passage down and point out and highlight a few things that's good instruction for us in our church and in the day that we live in especially. All right, let's pray and then we'll begin. Lord, I pray that you'd help us today and give us understanding of your word and, and Lord, a heart to apply it and Lord, a heart not to pitchfork out truth or throw it over our shoulder because somebody else sure could use that, but Lord, to apply it personally, to examine our own heart, our own life, and Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to be submissive to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. First thing I want to point out in relation to this exhortation towards humility is, is in verse 5, and that's the nature of humility. Verse 5 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, all of you be subject one to another. Here, Peter's first exhortation and admonition regarding humility is that of submission or subjection one to another. And let's define what the word submission or, sub, or subject means. The word is a Greek word, hupotasso. It has various shades of meaning to it. It can include several things. It means to arrange under, to subordinate, to subject or put in subjection, to subject oneself, to obey, to submit to one's control, to yield to one's admonition or advice, to obey, to be subject. It was a word that was used in military uh, settings, and so it could have a couple various meanings to it, but it was a Greek military term that meant to arrange 
like in troop divisions, and it meant to arrange them in a military fashion under the command of a leader. That's how it was used in military terms. But this word was also used in non-military terms. And in non-military use, it means this. And here's really how it applies to you and to me. It is a voluntary attitude of giving in, a voluntary attitude of cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden of another. This idea of subjection or submitting is a voluntary attitude of giving in and cooperating with others. He says here that the younger ought to submit themselves to the elder and all of you ought to be subject one to another. From the elders on down to the church members, all of us ought to have a spirit of subjection or submission one to another. And the thing about submission, because it's a voluntary attitude of cooperating, the thing about submission is that it can only come by humility. And the thing about submission is that it forces us to change our sense of order of things. In other words, we have a certain idea of how we view ourselves in relation to other people. And submission forces us to change our sense of order about things. In other words, it forces us to re-examine who we really are. And last week we talked about us not being the standard of judgment. Our thinking not being the standard of, of judgment in, in other people's lives and other people's situations. Well, this is sort of the same idea that the way I view myself or the way I view who I am is not the real standard of what I am. Does that make sense? Often we're not a very good judge of our own character or our own, uh, I don't know, image or whatever. That is very true. No matter if you think, if you think you're self-aware or I think I'm self-aware, none of us really are in reality. This submission forces us to change our sense of order and examine who and what we really are. In other words, I'll show you this in a second, without the Lord, we are absolutely zero. We are absolutely nothing. And Jesus actually had to deal with this issue with His disciples. If you look over in John chapter 13, just keep your place here, in John chapter 13, let's just read a few verses here for the sake of time, but look at verse 13, John 13, 13. Jesus is talking here to his disciples and he says, you call me master and Lord and ye say, well, for so I am. So here's how they viewed him. He was their master. He was their Lord. And Jesus said, you, you say the right thing because I am that. But then he says, if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, 
Neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Now Jesus says, you've called me master. You said, well, I am your master. And if I, who am greater than you, because Jesus is God, have washed your feet, you ought to do the same one to another. Now, that's a lot more significant than we might think it is. Because in that culture, the washing of feet, that was relegated to the lowest of the low of slaves. And the expectation of the disciples as Jews would be if they were to come into the house, the expectation would be that there would be even some Gentile slave who was there to wash my feet, wash the dust off of my feet. That's beneath me. That's the lowest of the low for slaves. And Jesus took the position and the form of a servant and he humbled himself and washed their feet and reality that Jesus is even telling the disciples, instead of you sitting around waiting for someone to serve you or do this for you, you ought to see yourself as a servant. You ought to do that one to another. That's how Jesus had to deal with his disciples who maybe at times thought more highly of themselves than they should think. Look in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 and verse 35. Mark 10, 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? They said unto him, Grant, us, grant unto us that we may sit one on thy right hand, and the other on thy left hand in thy glory. So they wanted this position. They wanted this elevation. Like you can see kind of how they viewed themselves, how they thought about themselves, like they were deserving of that. Then you look at verse 38. But Jesus said unto them, You know not what ye ask. Can ye drink the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized of or with? And they said unto him, We can. See, they were pretty confident there too. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized with all shall ye be baptized. He's talking about the persecution and even death. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to him, and saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all." For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. In the eyes of God, the great ones were those who were in subjection or submission in the form of serving other people. Not the other way around as an elevating in my own mind, 
some imaginary understanding, imaginary importance, but rather a spirit of submission one to another. And you know what? Having the right sense of order, and again, it forces us to re-examine our order of things. What am I, really? Having the right sense of order, the qu- that quality of submission, that goes a long way to preserving unity and peace in a church. Especially when all of us are subject one to another, and all of us are submissive one to another under Christ. And yet, true submission comes only if we heed what Peter's next admonition is. And so I want you to go back to our text in 1 Peter 5. We're talking about the nature of humility, that that it, it, it carries with it this attitude of servanthood, this attitude of submission one to another. And secondly, I want to point out the necessity of humility because humility is the foundation for this admonition of submission. In verse 5, he says, Submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, all of you be subject one to another, and here it is, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Here's the necessity of humility. And I want to define the word humility here because the word that Peter uses basically holds the idea of of one who has a humble opinion of himself, lowliness of mind. And that's an important quality to have as a saint of God because that actually is the mind of Christ. That is the mind of Jesus Christ in Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who took on the form of servanthood, who made himself of no reputation. That is the mind of Christ. But notice that Peter says that we ought to be clothed with humility. Clothed with this humble opinion of oneself. This lowliness of mind. The word clothed, of course, it means girded. So you can imagine, you know, you wrap yourself or gird yourself with clothing. But it has more of a meaning than that. It's to wrap or to gird, but it's to tie together for the purpose of labor and service. Therefore, humility becomes the preparation and the foundation for all the things that should take place inside the body of Jesus Christ. Why are we members of a New Testament church? We are here to serve the Lord. We are here to give glory to God. Our life should consist and exist of serving Christ through His body. And what I'm saying is the very foundation to be able to do that is humility. If humility is the foundation then there can be no room for anything else. There's a need for humility, not only only to preserve peace and unity in our relationships with other people, but also to preserve a proper relationship with God. You cannot be right with the Lord unless you are right with your brother and your sister.
I wonder if that all of a sudden starts to call into question some people's understanding of their relationship to God right now. Oh, I'm right with God. Are you? Because you cannot be right with God unless you are right with your brother and sister in the Lord. Now, God knows your heart, and there are times when before God, you don't have, you're not holding any grudges, you're not holding anything, and maybe people, you know, relationships are a little tense, but it's not because I have something there. The Lord knows that. Only you and the Lord know that, though. But many times, that's not what the case is. And pride steps in and says, well, you know, they treat me that way or they think that way about me, then, well, I'm going to treat them that way too or I'm going to think that way about them. Take it or leave it. Your loss. And all the while, I'm right with God. But what I'm saying is, preserving a proper relationship with the Lord also requires humility in our dealings with one another. Peter says God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's a quotation from Proverbs chapter 3 in verse 34. I'll go ahead and read it to you. Proverbs 3 in verse 34. Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. You know what grace is, right? It's divine favor. But it also means divine enabling. Meaning, God enables us by His power to do things that are really beyond our ability to do. And how many times do we need God's grace in dealing with one another? Right? Beyond my ability. But I can still operate and function in a spiritual and godly way because of God's grace, but only when my own heart attitude is that of humility because He gives grace to the humble. Well, you know what? You don't, you don't treat me very good. You talk about me behind my back. You say stuff. You do things. You've got an opinion that I don't agree with. But you know what? I am what I am, only by the grace of God. And I've got flaws, and you've got flaws. I'm not talking about me personally, I'm saying in general. We all have flaws. And we all mess up. We all have faulty ways of thinking. I'm not about to sit in judgment over you or pick your life apart because I don't agree with it or I don't think it should be that way because I'm not the standard of judgment. You understand what I'm saying? And we ought not to operate that way with each other. The spirit of humility says, you know what? Only by the grace of God. And we may not have a great relationship over, over things. Or you might have done something that's offensive to me. But by the grace of God, I understand what I am. And I can still treat you with respect or with a sense of godliness because God gives grace to the lowly, to the humble. I'm kind of getting off track here. 
James 4 and verse 6 says the same thing. You're close by, so you can turn there. James 4 and verse 6, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. And guess what the next word is? Submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. You've got to have humility in order to have that, that submission. But a person with a humble spirit is the kind of person that is esteemed of God. Jesus said to His disciples, remember we talked about last week that the disciples were reasoning among themselves which of them should be the greatest. And Jesus took the child, the one who had no standing, no social status, and He took the child and set him next to him, basically putting him on the same social standing as him. And He used that child as an example. And Jesus said to them, the one that's going to be great among you is the one who's going to be servant of all. If humility is the foundation, there can be no room for anything else. Now, what is the opposite of humility? It's pride. So he says to be clothed, to be wrapped together for labor, for service, with humility. The opposite of that is pride. And what will pride do in the life of a believer, in the life of a person? Number one, pride is going to keep us from glorifying God. It robs God of what is His. We exalt and elevate self, and it robs God of what is His. Secondly, pride keeps us from facing our own flaws. And I want you to understand this. Remember in Philippians chapter 3, you can turn over there, and I'll comment on this, and we'll, we'll move on. But in Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul who we would consider to be great, we would consider to be spiritual and godly. We would can probably consider him to be a spiritual giant. And what he says of himself in Philippians 3 and verse 12 is, not as though I had already attained or gotten hold of, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of, Christ Jesus. And he's, he's saying, brethren, I count not myself to have arrived. I, I don't count myself to have gotten a hold of things uh, in life. He says, I'm not perfect. And even the Apostle Paul was willing to admit and see that there were some things that even he didn't have a handle on in his own life. Pride is something that keeps us from seeing our own flaws and causes us to do, and I mentioned it before, to do this sort of thing, which I'm calling a pitchfork. When there's a message or the preaching, and we take that and we throw it over our shoulder and we pitchfork it to the next guy, oh, he could really use that. That's what's going on in his life or her life. What is that? That doesn't apply to me. That's sinful pride in the heart. You know what? We might have gained some ground in our Christian life. There might be things that we know. We might have walked some roads and gained some higher ground in our Christian living. But oftentimes, and maybe more often than not, if we're going to keep moving forward, if we're going to keep growing in the Lord, if we're going to draw closer to the Lord, we've got to be humble enough to see and admit that there are some deficiencies in our own life 
And we really shouldn't sit in judgment of other people's deficiencies in their life. Sometimes we need to take a rebuke from somebody else. But other times we just need to keep our mouth shut when it comes to other people's problems and deficiencies. It's pride that causes us to not come and ask for help for ourselves. There's areas of our life and our personal character and other things. We won't go and ask for help with those because of pride. It's pride that causes us to bristle and stiffen up, make excuses when there's a word that we really need to hear. Oh, that's not how it is, Pastor. You don't really understand. It's pride that causes us to think or act that we're all right, that we've got some things down, we really understand this. When in reality, in ourselves, if we were honest, we are actually really sorely deficient. And we need Christ. And we need Him. And often we can't even see our own problems or the things that we need to be better at but we'll sure point it out in other people. If we really want to have the right relationship with the Lord, then we need to be humble enough to accept the correction that He brings into our life, because it's for our gain. And we also need to see ourselves in light of the Lord. He's the standard of comparison. Sometimes, quote, spiritual people. They think they're being spiritual. They've been saved a while. They've been around a while. They've got a certain kind of upbringing. Sometimes those kinds of people are actually the proudest people of all. And Romans 12, 3 says, we ought not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Listen, again, it's only because of the grace of God that we are anything or know anything. And we're all just trying to get through this life serving the Lord. We're all just trying to do... Listen, I would think, I would hope, I would hope that you're just trying to trust the Lord and do the best that you can. And have grace for each other. Be willing to be humble and submit ourselves one to another. And listen, I want to just please the Lord with my life. And you want to please the Lord with your life. And you want to please the Lord with your life. And you want to please the Lord with your life. And all of us have the same goal. I just want to be right with God and please God and love God and serve God. And then guess what? When that is the attitude, our comparison will not be on a horizontal level. It will be on a vertical level. And when that is the case, all of these other relationships fall right into line too. And there's peace. And there's unity. Because we all get it. We all understand. Without the Lord, I'm nothing. Go back to our text, and I want you to see lastly with me the nurturing of humility. We saw the nature of it, that it's in the form of service and submitting. We saw the necessity of it. We have to have it in order to have that mind. But then I want you to see the nurturing 
of it. In verse 6, 1 Peter 5 and verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Peter's charge here is to humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Who is the standard of comparison again? It's the mighty hand of God. Whose responsibility is it? It's yours and mine. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. What that means is to submit to His providential working in your life, to submit to His authority, submit to His person. And sometimes that even means in the middle of having to endure tribulation, persecution from other people. That was the case in Peter's day, certainly. Far worse than ours. But a practical application to that would be something like this. You know, people like to talk. People have opinions. Their opinions aren't always right. But there's this arrogance about it. There's this pridefulness about it. There's all of this that goes on. And I hear about it or you hear about it. And it's like, you know what? I got a few things I can say to you too, but I'm not going to. In fact, I'm going to practice biting my tongue instead of reacting to other people's comments that are hurtful and maybe not even true. And instead, what I'm going to do is take that and cast that care upon the Lord because He's the one who cares, who really cares and knows. Cast all your care upon Him. That's the right response. Not a retort. Not, well, I've got opinions too. In other words, Peter is saying here, you humble yourself under the Lord. He knows. He's the one who's almighty. (coughs) You can trust Him. You just cast that concern on Him. That's a spirit of humility right there. Don't fret or worry about things over which you really don't have any control. Let your Heavenly Father worry about those kinds of things. And humbly yield yourself to Him and go on. The conclusion is that God is going to reward humility in His servants. God will give grace. He'll give enabling and favor to the humble. That's what He says in verse 5. He will exalt the humble in due time. The truth will be made known in verse 6. And when the time is right, then God will exalt His people and reward their faith because they humbly submitted to His will and to one another. Humbling ourselves is so much sweeter than being resisted by God. Amen? Look at Proverbs 11, and I'll be done. Proverbs chapter 11. In verse 2, the Bible says, When pride cometh, then cometh shame. 
but with the lowly is wisdom. When pride is the thing that is ruling the day, and arrogance and thinking of ourselves in a certain light, what's coming eventually is shame. The Word of God never lies. Amen. Proverbs chapter 16. Then I'll be done. Verse 18. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. And then he goes on to talk about how you handle matters wisely. It's a lot easier to handle issues and situations when it's being handled from a foundation of humility first. Amen? It's a good admonition, reminder for us. Let's ask the Lord to apply it in our own life where we need it. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, pray that you encourage us and challenge us and Lord, that we would take the Word of God as it is, not from men, but as it is in truth, the words of God Himself. And, and Lord, that we would ask of You, Lord, would You search my heart, examine my heart, and Lord, not pitchfork it off to the next guy, but to have a lowly mind, and Lord, to understand that only by your grace am I anything. I'm still dust. And Father, I want to please you. I just want to draw close to you. I just want to serve you with my life. And may we all have that same kind of heartfelt attitude. And amazing how things start to fall into place when we've got the proper order. So Lord, I just pray that you'd encourage and each of your people and challenge us with these truths, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.